listening to Expand Your Horizons, the podcast for English language teachers and wanderlust indulgers. This is Lauren and Shannon, teacher training duo of TefelHorizons.com. Each week, we bring you teaching advice, travel tips, and inspiring stories from around the globe. Here's to making this big world a little smaller by connecting ESL teachers everywhere. Hello, and welcome to Expand Your Horizons, the TEFL Horizons podcast. I'm Shannon, and I'm here talking with David, who is the founder of PassTheCelta.com. After completing his own CELTA back in 2012 with the very difficult-to-achieve Pass A grade, David realized he wanted to help other prospective teachers succeed on the CELTA course. Since then, he has helped thousands of people pass the CELTA by providing guidance on the course and an incredibly comprehensive CELTA learning library full of useful online resources. Today, we're going really in-depth in our discussion about teaching, professional development, and of course, CELTA. So definitely tune in if you've ever thought about doing a CELTA certification. We're talking all about what gives the course its legendary intensity and how you can get through the course with your sanity intact. And if you've got a CELTA already, this episode should bring back some interesting memories for you. So without further ado, I'm happy to welcome David. Hey, David, thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for inviting me, Shannon. Great. Um, all right. So just to get started, tell us a little bit about who you are. So what's your background? Basically, how did you get to where you are now? Sure, sure. Okay. So previously I, I worked in marketing um, and although it's a great job, um, it's it's not terribly uh, fulfilling in the case that you're always not necessarily trying to sell something, but you're always trying to manufacture a narrative or whatever. Um, and what I really wanted to do was was find a way to, to to give something back rather than you know rather than working heavily in marketing as I was. So, as a bit of an insurance policy, I I decided to become an um, an English language teacher. Um, my mother mm-hmm. was an English language teacher before I was as well, so it runs in the family. Um, and she recommended that I take the CELTA course. Um, which I did, um, I was able to pass it, um, surprised myself with some of the highest marks. Um, and from there, I decided, well, since I was able to pass the CELTA course with these marks, I wanted to try and help other people to do the same thing. Um, and that was many, many years ago. And to be honest, it's been one of the best decisions I've ever made. It's, it's very fulfilling um, and I'm having real conversations with people and helping them to essentially change their lives. So that's, that's the very short, story and I'm, I'm sure we can explore more w- within this podcast yeah absolutely that sounds great and I love that you got into it thinking about doing something rewarding to help other people do something similar to what you had already achieved yeah yeah so tell us a bit more about your experience on the CELTA course was there anything about it that maybe you weren't expecting that you found particularly challenging or particularly useful Yes, yes, lots. <laughs> um, <laughs> All of the above. <laughs> everything, everything. So overall, the CELTA course for me was a really positive experience. Uh, I'd say that it, it, it challenged me in ways that I wasn't expecting to be challenged. And I think unlike a lot of courses that you do in many industries, the CELTA course gave me a lot of real skills that I, I'm still using many years later. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not just a course to kind of get your foot in the door and, and start within that industry. It is actually um, a collection of fundamental skills that you're going to find yourself coming back to time and time again. Um, 
At the time, however, I mean, I'm saying that looking back, at the time it was very much <laughs> like a trial by fire. Yep. Um, I don't know how much about the CELTA course your listeners know, but that there, um, it comes in different flavours. You can either do it part-time, you can do a blended learning, which is a little bit of it on, online and then some of it at the, the training centre, or... Um, you can do the four-week intensive version, and it's intensive. They call it the intensive version for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you do the intensive version yourself? I did. Yep, I did the four-week, um, and I I was pretty confident in my ability to handle a heavy workload. You know, I, I did my CELTA shortly after finishing my undergraduate degree, and I worked full-time through my undergrad um and so as i was doing the celta interview i remember i was thinking at the time that i was going to work during the course uh part-time and i told my interviewer oh yeah you know i i worked through through college like it shouldn't be a problem and she told me no really you can't you can't i was like well okay she doesn't really understand my ability to to be busy and then i started the course and i was like thank god i didn't have a job um because it was really so much more intense than i imagined it would be yeah yeah exactly and i think i think that's i think the intensiveness of it is is part of what gives it such a daunting reputation but it's also mm-hmm. what gives it such strength when we actually yep. get into the tefl world and we're looking for jobs and we can say we've done the celta or the trinity cert tessel which is an equivalent yep. and it's like okay this person you know they've been through that trial by fire they understand the skills and this isn't some Mickey Mouse certificate that they're coming and saying, exactly. hey, I can teach, but, you know, they can't. Exactly. I think the fact that someone achieves CELTA certification, it shows the kind of dedication to the craft of teaching, that mm-hmm. it was worth it for you to go through that experience because you really want to be good at this. Like, you yeah. really care about this. And I think that's part of why going through that sort of intensity, that's what shows up on, on applications when Absolutely. employers see a CELTA. Absolutely. Um, I'd, I'd say my CELTA experience, um, my personal experience, was definitely a game of two halves. So, like yourself, I underestimated it, like most people. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first half for me was really trying to make sense of what, what my tutors wanted from me. Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to understand all these abbreviations, all these new, this new terminology and, and, and skills, etc. Um, and how to get organised while at the same time, drowning pretty much under the weight of all this new information. Mm-hmm. Um, it's relentless, um, as we've just alluded to there. So right. at the very beginning of my CELTA course, there were 12 of us, 12 trainees, um, all ages from all over the world. We had, we had Koreans there, we had Brazilians, Brit- Brits like myself. Um, and we were split into three groups. And on the first day, everything was nice and relaxed. And I was very, very wrong. Because on the first day, mm-hmm. <laughs> they had each of us teaching our first 20-minute lesson. Yep. Uh, unassessed. It was kind of yep. throwing us in the deep end. But mm-hmm. So first day, they were like, okay, David, it's your turn to go and teach a classroom of 12 students. This is what you're going to teach. Good luck. Yeah. And I, my first lesson was, was an unmitigated disaster. It was terrible, <laughs> absolutely terrible. Um, and it, I, I came out of that lesson thinking, what have I gotten myself in for? I mean, mm-hmm. <sighs> so, but I'd say that 
the workload and the stress continued to increase, and I'm, I'm not saying this to scare people away from the shelter. I just want you to understand that um, you need to get yourself organized at the beginning because the new information doesn't stop coming. Mm-hmm. Your tutor's not going to say, okay, have a few days to, you know, to relax. It just doesn't do that. Right. To, gi- to give you an idea, to give your readers an idea. So every day we had to learn new terminology, new concepts and teaching techniques. And then we had to immediately put them into our teaching practice, incorporate them into our teaching. Three times a week, we had to plan lessons, teach classes, and we had to honestly evaluate our own performance, all the time taking on board criticism from the tutor, mm-hmm. which is a whole different subject that we can maybe mm-hmm. talk about later. Oh, that's, Excellent. yeah, you know, <laughs> absolutely. How to frame criticism to, to actually help you. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we had to research, write, and submit four academic written assignments. So pretty much by the end of the second week, I was, I was frazzled. I was exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was getting standard marks on my teaching practice so that there's below standard standard and above standard in case anybody mm-hmm. doesn't know. And I was just scraping by and getting standard marks, but there was no way that could continue like that for another two weeks. Um, I, I think one of the big things that I wasn't sure about was I couldn't understand why I have no trouble giving presentations to a boardroom of corporate directors, but I was struggling to teach 12 learners. It, it, it kind of messed with my mind a bit, but it turns mm-hmm. out, I think it turns out they both require exactly the same thing, so, which is preparation. And I didn't realize it at the time. So this was preparation, which is about learning the subject matter beforehand, so the target language. It was about planning and rehearsing how you'd present it. And as well was about anticipating the questions and the problems. Um, once I managed to get that done and, and that clicked, it was kind of like, um, it, it was kind of like the heavens opened and mm-hmm. everything became clear. At that point, everything just became faster and easier. I was getting above standard marks for every teaching practice. Um, so, at that point, the second half, I was very lucky that I had that, that moment of clarity um, because some of my colleagues didn't and they eventually dropped out. So I know I'm rambling there, but I have so much to say on this subject, of course. No, it's great. And I love that you you made the distinction between teaching a lesson of 12 learners and how <clears throat> it's a shock. It was a shock for you at first that that wasn't the same as giving this corporate presentation, um, at least at sort of first try. Right. Mm. I, it's funny. I noticed, so as a CELTA trainer, and I see lots of different kinds of candidates with lots of different backgrounds, it's really funny, but one type of candidate that I notice tends to have a bigger challenge or a bigger hurdle to overcome is anybody who's been a university lecturer. Um, because what I've noticed is they're really comfortable standing up in front of a class. They're really comfortable speaking, but they haven't, they don't have the, the same mindset of planning this lesson that's really interactive and really involving the students. So yeah. it's not more like a workshop rather than a lecture, which is what CELTA is all about, making all of your lessons more like a workshop that you're facilitating rather than just this presentation that you're giving. Um, so it's interesting that you said something similar. It, sometimes the people with the most public speaking, it, they don't necessarily have the biggest advantage. Yeah, I, I think you've hit on something really interesting there I'd, um, as, a, as a lecturer. I imagine, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I haven't done it myself, but I imagine you have, you have your lesson plan, you have maybe 100 students in front of you, 
and right. you go you go through your your prescribed lesson plan and you have your slides on the board or whatever it is maybe you take some questions but it's mm-hmm. very very much a teacher to student interaction yep um and you know as a CELTA tutor um and as a teacher that the lessons are very much should be um either a student to teacher interaction or a student to student you know mm-hmm. th- th- there's that famous quote that as a teacher i'm going to paraphrase it now but as a as a teacher your job is to facilitate the learning experience and then get yourself out of the way exactly mm-hmm. and I, think, I think yeah if celta had a motto <laughs> that yeah. would be it <laughs> yeah um and we'll touch on this later but i think what this really comes down to is sensitivity to the needs of the learner rather mm-hmm. than this kind of strict um sticking to the lesson plan and exactly. and to the clock on the wall yep And that's a big mindset shift, I think, for many teachers, because our our idea of what a teacher looks like is a teacher is somebody who stands up in front of the class and they teach, which involves (coughs) telling the students their knowledge. Um, And so it's a big mindset shift, I think, for a lot of incoming candidates to shift their focus from what am I doing as the teacher to, okay, no, actually, that doesn't really matter. What matters is what are the students doing? Yeah. And I think people come on the course and they think my tutor is expecting me to act like a teacher and mm-hmm. I know that teachers teach so right. they, they really are coming in from the best of intentions and like you say it, it takes a lot for somebody to really understand maybe all I really need to do is is just get the the the, the, the conversation going in pairs or in groups and then just yep. make you know and, and then just go around and, and collect some errors for some later error correction maybe that's all that's necessary today maybe mm-hmm. that's the best thing I can do Mm-hmm. And it's funny that you mentioned preparation because I think even teachers coming into it with sort of that what we call sage on the stage mentality where it's more <laughs> of a, a lecturer um, that we want to move away from, you know, they're thinking that the preparation they need to do is all about their knowledge. And that's true. Um, a lot of it is knowing the material that you're teaching, being really comfortable with the subject matter, the grammar, all of yeah. that. But a lot of the preparation actually just involves thinking about the different interaction patterns in the classroom and how you're going to structure those. So, okay, first I'm going to have the students talk in pairs for X number of minutes about this thing. And then, you know, from there I'm going to ask the class these questions. So the, I would say the bulk of the preparation is really preparing how exactly you're going to involve the students yeah. at every step of the way. And anticipating the problems as well. I mean, exactly. it's, it's not possible to anticipate all problems, but you can, look at, you can look at the exercise you're teaching and say, if I was a pre-intermediate mm-hmm. student here, and I know, my, I know my learners because I've already taught them a while, so I know, for example, I know that um, Hector has a problem with his S pronunciation, because he's Spanish, um, he might say Eshkul, for example. And at that mm-hmm. point, you can start to say, well, they might have these problems. So, so how can I solve this? Well, maybe the best thing to do here would be to do some pronunciation drilling before we go in, just as a mm-hmm. just as an ad hoc example. And right. that that's another element of preparation, I think, that really, really puts apart the Pass B and Pass A graduates than the standard Pass CELTA graduates. Yes. Absolutely. That's, I think, one of the easiest things to overlook. We tell candidates this all the time as trainers, and I can see that at first they don't really get why it's helpful to do this, but we always tell people, do the exercises yourself. Oh, yes. So anything that you're going to give the students, do that task yourself and see 
what sticks out as potentially tricky, potentially confusing, you know, how are you really going to give instructions so that this activity makes sense? Um, it doesn't seem like it's going to matter that much, but it really does. And something, some specific advice I can give to the people thinking about doing CELTA or, or, or the equivalence is that when you do exactly like Shannon suggests there and go through the activity yourself at home or in the lunchroom or wherever you're doing it and you mm -hmm. write down, this is a problem, don't just file that away. Actually put it in your lesson plan because there are specific parts on your lesson plan where you can anticipate problems. Um, where you can say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do pronunciation drilling because of this. But just because something's in your lesson plan doesn't mean you, you don't have to be a slave to it. If, if it's very clear that that problem doesn't come up, then perhaps, perhaps that stage doesn't need to be there. Or perhaps, yes. the, perhaps the learners can do a bit more uh, discussion or writing. Um, so I suppose here we've kind of transitioned onto what makes a pass A graduate or a pass B I was graduate. just thinking that, yep. So... Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, um, do your learners, um, sorry, do your readers and listeners um, understand the different grades on CELTA and how they uh, and how they relate to what's expected of them? Some of them might. Um, we definitely talk about the CELTA course and the importance of good training and student-centered learning a lot, but we <coughs> have never gone. I don't think in a post or in a podcast episode this in-depth on the different grades on CELTA and what mm -hmm. those mean. So this would be a great time to talk about that. Great. Okay, well, I'll give you a little bit of background then. Yeah. Um, the, the, there are three grades for CELTA. There's the standard pass grade, which the vast majority of trainees achieve. Mm -hmm. um, and what that lets you do is that lets you enter into the TEFL industry as a new teacher. It really is a gateway qualification. Um, and you're going to get yourself a job and then you'll start your career. And then, to be honest, not many people think about their CELTA after that. It, it's, it's to get you started and for your own personal development to give you those foundational skills to build upon. Um, if you can push yourself a little bit harder, there is a pass B grade and a pass A grade. Now, I want to be clear here, though, that once you're working in the TEFL industry as a teacher, it's really not important whether you get a pass A, a pass B, or a standard grade. It's yep. nobody compares their grades when they're teaching. It's it's it really doesn't matter. So please don't stress about getting higher grades. Yeah. Um, about it, four, about four percent of trainees, on average, get a pass mm -hmm. A grade. Um, so I. I was over the moon when I got a pass A on my certificate. I wasn't expecting it. Um, you can compare that to around between 5 and 8% of, of CELTA trainees, depending on the CELTA centre that they train at and the level of support they get. Sometimes it's much, much lower. So I would say about 5 or 6% of trainees fail or drop out combined. So it gives you an idea of, of how less people get the pass A grade then fail or drop out. Yeah. So it really is a very small percentage of people. Um, but it doesn't matter beyond getting your first job or applying for a first job. It, it might push your resume, your CV to the top of the pile. It might get you the interview, but please, please don't, don't make your CELTA course more stressful than it has to be <laughs> by thinking, I've got to get a passe. This is really important. It really doesn't matter. Um, yeah. All that said, 
there are some people like myself who push themselves naturally and just want to achieve the best they can regardless and that's absolutely fine as well yeah i wholeheartedly second everything you just said um (laughs) (laughs) yep those statistics are correct uh as as far as my knowledge as well and um it's very true that having that pass a it's a big deal in the sense that it's really difficult to achieve um just statistically and it takes so much more work in so many ways than just getting a standard pass um but exactly like you said having a celta is having a celta so exactly once you finish, if you've got a Celta, you have a Celta, that's it. It's really not like what we are used to in terms of grades going through school, where an A is good, a B is okay, and a normal pass is really not great. Mm-hmm. Um, on Celta, pass is good. <laughs> yeah. Pass is, is the goal. And, so, and I, I think, in fact, having a pass A may be slightly detrimental when you start off in your first job. And here's why. Because getting a pass A is um, it, it's about a number of things, but but if we were to distill it down, it's about showing your tutors that you can plan your lessons and manage your classroom with minimal support. Exactly. And that you're sensitive to the needs of the learners, which we've described, but we can go over again, maybe. But mm-hmm. So if you go to a new employee and say, I have a passe, and they're, they're like, great, we can just throw you in front of the class. You need yeah. Minimal support, th- you know, go for it. And you're like, well, <laughs> can I have a bit of support, please? Right. Like, I've still only had a month of training and experience, <laughs> even though I did awesome at it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Um, something else I would say is don't be a slave to the lesson plan or the clock like we've just described. Mm-hmm. So th- this is really what it comes down to when we say being sensitive to the needs of the learners. That's, that's a very very cliche thing it's very easy to throw it around without actually defining what it is so and i i think it's it's one of those core concepts that underpins every successful lesson and is missing from most uh, disaster lessons mm-hmm. um so it you, you write a really good lesson plan you spend hours on it you have you have your stages you have your timings you have your you have your student teacher interactions um, everything like that and you've poured your heart and soul into this lesson plan and it would be a real shame for you to deviate from it because and you, you almost use it as as, as as a life boy or a life ring in your in your cell to lesson and, and, and in your early teaching career as well you've got your lesson plan and it's going to get you through the next hour you know, um, okay, they've done this. Okay, guys, uh, we've got to go on to the next stage here. So open the book on this page, etc., etc. Um, but if your learners are showing a need in a particular area, then it's your job as a teacher to to be sensitive to that mm-hmm. and to say, okay, this wasn't planned for in the lesson, but right now I have to be confident um, to help them achieve the lesson aims here. So maybe, for example, maybe they don't quite understand the grammar of the target language. Or maybe you're noticing that they consistently they're making the same mistakes during pair discussion. Um, Because, of course, you're doing monitoring like a good teacher and a good CELTA trainee. Um, At that point, you you want to write those down, but you also want to think, okay, rather than doing a cool-down exercise or rather than letting them listen to the recording an extra time, like is in my lesson plan, I'm gonna be confident here that I'm gonna stop the recording 
I'm going to go to the board and we're going to quickly do the forms or we're going to quickly correct this error that everybody is having because I don't want them to get to the end of the lesson having reinforced this error by repeating it time and time again. Mm -hmm. So that really is, it's a balancing act. You, it is. you have to show that you've got a lesson plan and you have to show that the lesson plan was well thought out. Um, and, but the lesson plan has to be flexible. And above all is the, the lesson aims and the needs of the learner and how those two things are married up or not. So Yeah, I think that is the absolute key because I think there is a danger in going too far uh, for candidates who don't really have that understanding yet of that balance between the aims <coughs> and the learner's needs of saying, oh, well, you know, I'm teaching a reading lesson, but my learners are asking all about all the vocabulary in the article. So I'm just going to stop the reading exercises and spend 20 minutes out of my 40 minute lesson on all this vocabulary that I hadn't actually really prepared to teach. Mm -hmm. um, and that, okay, yes, you're responding to the learners in that case and the needs that they're showing you or the interest that they're showing you. But if you are teaching a reading lesson, uh, your tutor is assessing you on your ability to, to teach a reading lesson, to achieve those reading aims. Yes. So like you said, if, you know, if it's something where they're having trouble with the target grammar, the target language, it's a grammar lesson, then yes, absolutely scrap the other activities or spend less time to, to do extra clarification. Um, but it's that balance of finding, reacting to what the learners need and being flexible in your planning, mm -hmm. but making sure that whatever you're focusing on is still in line with your main aim. Yeah. Because um, deviating and spending a bunch of time on something that's not your main focus in the lesson is a really good way to not pass the lesson. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, and as you progress through your CELTA, you learn to anticipate where the where the learners needs are going to try and pull you away from the from the lesson plan mm -hmm. and if you can anticipate exactly. it let's say they don't have the right grasp of vocab then you can say this may be a problem so i'm going to print out some vocabulary handouts yep. and they can have them in front of them during the dis during the discussion and it won't derail my lesson perfect example yep Yes, you can still deal with that. You don't have to say, oh my God, well, the vocabulary is going to be too hard and I'm not even allowed to address it because it's a reading lesson. So what am I supposed to do? There are ways around that, like David just described. Um, you can have a, a backup plan, something that's not going to require you as the teacher to spend 15 extra minutes going over this vocab when you don't have the time for it in your reading lesson, but having some sort of other plan. Okay, so I'll create a glossary mm -hmm. and they can just have that in front of them so the issue is addressed, but it's still not gonna affect my timing. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid as well to, I mean, in, in most classes you have one or two, I wouldn't call them problem learners, although I just have. <laughs> um, <laughs> there are generally one or two learners who have the same issues and if you let them they will be the source of derailing your lesson plan or yep. they will they will prevent the other learners from moving at the pace that they want to uh, once you recognize who those people are and you should know within the second lesson um, you can say to these people that's a really good question we'll speak about it after the lesson yep exactly and, you, and you've taken that problem away you've shown your tutor that you are dealing with an issue um, and you're allowing the rest of the class to, to continue achieving those lesson aims. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I think um, just to go back and touch on something you said that I think was so important when we were talking about the different grades, um, we 
we spoke so much about, you know, don't focus on the grade. And I think that's very true. But for those people who are really curious about what kind of separates maybe um, a pass B candidate <coughs> from a pass candidate and definitely what separates a pass A candidate from a pass B candidate, um, it's the planning. So mm -hmm. you had mentioned something about anticipating problems that come up and not just keeping them in mind, but actually putting them on your lesson plan. And I think that is really the distinction of where the pass A comes from is what's on the plan. So all these things that we're talking about, um, if you're a CELTA candidate um, or a prospective CELTA candidate, this is something to think about is actually put those on paper, discuss them with your tutor in your um, guided lesson planning time. So when you sit down with your tutor before the lesson and um, go over you know, what you're going to teach, how you think it's going to go, you're getting advice from your tutor, bring these things up and then put them in the plan. So like that vocabulary example, um, David, that you gave, that's something that if you're a candidate, you're thinking, okay, I've thought of the issue. The vocabulary is too challenging. I have my solution. I'm going to create a glossary. Write that in your plan, that this is what you've anticipated and this is what you've done about it in your yep. planning. And I completely agree with that. I do. I, th I think it starts with a lesson plan. Mm -hmm. Then within your lesson, you have to have the confidence to know, like we said, that, that balancing act between the lesson plan and the needs of the learner. But mm -hmm. I think a third thing that we haven't mentioned is, is the self-evaluation after the lesson. Yes, great Because point. at this point, you have a chance to show yourself a tutor that this thing happened and you recognized it. Exactly. And you try to respond in this way or this way or that this thing happened and you chose not to do something because you had good reasons to. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That self-awareness is a big part as well yep. of being a really successful candidate. That and also the feedback that you give, the awareness <laughs> that you have of other candidates' lessons. Oh, um, yes. I don't think it's a coincidence that when I look over at my candidates during observation, um, and if you don't know about this, if you're listening and you're not super familiar with how CELTA works, you not only teach these teaching practice lessons, but you also observe all of the other candidates in your cohort, basically teach their lessons, and then it's a group feedback session. So you're receiving feedback from your tutor and from your peers, but you're also giving your peers feedback. And so when we're doing an observation and I look over <coughs> at the candidates not teaching, I don't think it's a coincidence that the ones who tend to be just barely past candidates are the ones that are looking at their phones and the past A candidates are the ones who are taking notes on the lesson because they're, they want to know um, what's working. They want to learn from this other teacher, whether it's, you know, what to do or what not to do. And they want to try out their feedback and then see the tutor's reaction, you know, to sort of see, like test themselves and see if they're on track, giving the same kind of feedback or noticing the same things that, I notice as the tutor. Such a great point. Such a great point. Um, mm. Essentially, it, it, it boils down to you're going to get out of the shelter exactly what you decide to put in. Yes. And if you're going to sit at the back of the class and read your phone or even try and plan your own lesson when you should be obser observing other people's, um, you're missing out on a massive opportunity. Um, at some point as well, as part of your shelter uh, course, you will get to observe professional teachers. Mm -hmm. teaching um, a proper class. Uh, that is really, really valuable. And that's another thing that people think, some people think is a bit of a, a bit of a vacation from your CELTA course. Yep. You know, they can just go there, they can get an early lunch, they can stay quiet, not really concentrate, but man, you're missing out on 
massive amounts of value there. Exactly. Yeah, it's a great way to, as I said, kind of um, not test yourself exactly, but sort of it's, it's a way to measure your knowledge. And we've sent candidates before to observe teachers who don't have CELTAs and maybe <coughs> um, occasionally I'll say our candidates don't always get to observe the most successful or the best or the most CELTA-like lessons. Yep. Um, but the strongest ones come back saying, wow, okay, now I really see even more how valuable this training is and I was able to point out you know this and this and this thing that probably could have been done better and I was able to think of ideas of how that could be done better and that was so valuable for me perfect Um, whereas the other candidates are saying things like "Eh, that was boring that teacher wasn't very good that wasn't very interesting um it, it, that there's the difference in terms of attitude and mentality the same thing happened in during my center I observed two two professional teachers one of them was amazing the other mm-hmm. one, I, I, I didn't want to be there. It was a little bit cringy. Or, you know, um, I could tell that the learners just didn't want to be there. Um, and I had the choice then. Do I turn off my brain or do I say, why is this not working? And right. if I was in that situation, how would I engage these learners? And that was really useful to come at it from both perspectives. Mm-hmm. Uh, to take the best parts of a great lesson and to respectfully um, critique and not so good lesson as well. Exactly, and and learn from it. Think about, okay, this didn't work, let me think about why, let me use what I'm learning, think about why that didn't work, and think about what I could do instead. Yeah, I think think this touches on another thing. Um, The best way to do your CELTA course is to leave your ego at the door. Yes, Um, I love that. (laughs) You know, just like, (laughs) my ego is not allowed in this room right now because um, something I've discovered, um, I've helped I've helped thousands and thousands of CELTA trainees um, of, of all ages, of all nationalities, of all backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And something that I've noticed a lot is that the, the older trainees tend to struggle a lot more in receiving constructive criticism in a positive way and taking that. And um, I mean, it, it, it's a generalization, of course. You know, there are younger no, people who noticed, struggle as well. Yep, I have noticed the exact same thing. <clears throat> yep. Um, and one of the absolute core elements of the CELTA course, I mean, I mean, I mean, the CELTA course, in essence, is breaking you down and building you up again. Yes. So if you are so rigid and, and, and so defensive that, that you're not going to allow people to, to constructively criticize um, and, and, and to kind of rub off these rough edges, then everything will be significantly more difficult. And the only person who's going to suffer is yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if you're just like, you know what, that's fine. You make a good point. How can I use that? And how can I, how can I change my next teaching practice to take what you say into, con- into consideration? Mm-hmm. At that point, that, that's like a superpower when you're doing your CELTA course. That's going to yeah. take you so far if, if you're able to take on board constructive criticism in a good way. Yep. And it's noticeable. I mean, from my perspective as a tutor, I... I notice it. It is very, very obvious to me when a candidate has taken steps to implement the strategies that we discussed in feedback or to address those action points that I gave Mm -hmm. him or her in feedback. Um, It's noticeable. And even if it's, you know, let's say they try something once, it doesn't really work or they're doing something that's not really effective. So we talk about it in feedback. And in the next lesson, I can tell if that person has made an effort, even if it's still not 100% there or totally successful yet, I can tell if that person is trying, if they've made an effort to 
take on those um, suggestions. Yep. Or if they've just said, eh, I'm going to do it the same way I always do it because that's what I'm comfortable with. That's, I can tell that too. Um, and that's another really good way to be as successful as you can be on the CELTA course is yep. taking on that feedback, just like you said. And this isn't some abstract concept either. Um, for those who don't know, the, the, the CELTA tutors like Shannon, they have a large matrix of skills, a rubric mm -hmm. that they'll mark you against. For, so there'll be things like, uh, did, they, did they prepare their lesson plan was it did it look professional did they adhere to the type the stage timings etc etc but there's also soft skills and one of those is their ability to take on board feedback criticism yeah. and the ability to give it mm -hmm. and the, i don't know how many skills there are but it is a scary document so <laughs> yep. you, you're actually marked on your ability to to take on board constructive feedback it, it's not just a nice to have skill it contributes to your final grade. It does, and it, it contributes to whether your trainer is gonna be really enthusiastic about recommending you <clears throat> at the end of the course. I mean, you can be a past candidate and still not be somebody that the tutor is like, wow, I, I would hire this person if I had a language school. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that comes down to that section of the grading rubric that David was talking about, which is all focused on professionalism and development. So there are little boxes that I check and there are little, um, there are sections, little categories that are all about, yeah, can you take on feedback? Can you give feedback? Can you, um, as you mentioned earlier, David, are you able to have an accurate sort of picture of what happened in your lesson? Do you show awareness when you're reflecting on your lessons? And how well do you work with, with your peers, with the other candidates on the course? Yep. Yep, absolutely. So those things, you know, paying attention to feedback, for example, while the um, other candidates are getting feedback, not just when you're getting feedback, or paying attention to the lessons that your peers are teaching, not just your own lessons. Those things are so beneficial for you, but they also show the tutor, and the tutor is watching, I promise. <laughs> they also show the tutor that you are somebody who really cares and really wants to be there and really um, are ready to be a professional teacher. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. There are some clear I mean, correct me if I'm wrong as a CELTA tutor here, but I, I, I believe there are some, some clear guidelines on what, on what makes a graduate a pass B. Mm -hmm. But when you come to actually deciding if somebody is a pass A, sometimes that's more subjective. And the, mm -hmm. it, it's going to come down to, does a CELTA tutor at that point believe that you can do this in a more independent way, etc., etc. So all of these soft skills that perhaps they contribute... Uh, a, a tiny amount in comparison to actually being able to plan, teach, and, and evaluate. But all of these do work together to, to potentially push your grade higher as well. Exactly. Yep. Um, when we talk about, yeah, pass B and pass A, I would say that's, that's really correct. So if you're getting a lot of above standards on your lessons, mm -hmm. um, that's a good sign you're either a pass B or a pass A. But really you could have a pass B candidate and a pass A candidate that have the same number of above standards yes. on their lessons. So the distinction is going to come down to, I would say, a couple of main things. One is planning, which we've talked about. So actually the work that is on paper, not just what's happening in the classroom. And I know that sounds tedious. It is tedious. <laughs> Even as a CELTA trainer, I will admit the lesson, the CELTA lesson plans are tedious. Um, they require so much more detail. It is so unrealistic, the amount of 
of work you have to put into your CELTA lesson plans as compared to what you would actually write in a real lesson plan as a working teacher. Um, but that's Yeah, just go of... to the internet and download a pre-made lesson plan. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say that, by the, the way, point. guys. <laughs> yeah, um, but that's kind of the point, right? It's I like to refer to CELTA as teaching boot camp, where yes. um, you're really being asked to go way above and beyond to so that you're building those teaching muscles um, so that by the time you finish, you've you've got it you know those things just are are kind of automatic and you don't have to write down every little anticipated problem and go into detail on your actual plan about every little solution because you can do that mentally maybe after the course but on the course you do want to put that much on paper um so that's one thing i think that separates pass a from pass b um, and then another thing is exactly what you mentioned which is that professionalism aspect so the self-awareness the ability to reflect on your own lessons the ability to give really insightful feedback to your peers um, and the independence with which you're able to plan and do all of that. That's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, great. Okay. So we've covered a lot. I feel like we've wound around quite a bit, but hopefully all valuable information. Um, so I guess this brings us to, um, we've talked so much about the Celtic course how challenging it is, all of these different things that candidates need to keep in mind. Um, so you founded a website called PassTheCelta.com. Mm -hmm. um, is all of this kind of what inspired you to create it? Yeah, um, essentially. So when I was doing my CELTA course, I couldn't find any information on the mm -hmm. internet about this. It's like a black hole on the internet. I don't, I don't understand what it was. Um, there was either people saying it was so intensive, it was, it was impossible, it was... It was terrible. And there was other people saying it was a piece of cake. I don't know what you're worrying about. Mm -hmm. um, and those were the two extremes, generally, because it's the vocal minorities. And I was unable to actually understand, okay, well, what will I be doing on the CELTA? Um, yeah. First of all, it's such a fundamental question. And I don't think it's communicated as well as it could be by either Cambridge or the CELTA centres. Um, and one of the other questions was really, how, how do I use my time now before the CELTA mm. as, mm -hmm. as effectively as possible to prepare? Um, what do I need to prepare? And maybe just as importantly, what don't I need to prepare? Because potentially I could, I could try and revise everything. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, that's not good either. So I passed my CELTA. I, I got the best marks I could. Um, I came out of it and I realized I was in... I was in a, not a unique, but a good position here to help other people. Um, so during my shelter, I actually kept a diary because I needed more work during those four weeks. I don't know why. <laughs> right, of course. Um, but I, I decided I was going to do this before I started the shelter. Wow. So within the shelter, I was able to keep a blow-by-blow -blow account of what I was struggling with, um, how I managed to overcome those, what I That's saw from brilliant. what I saw from the other trainees as well, um, like I said, some of my some of the members of, of my particular subgroup actually dropped out um, for for different reasons, um, but I, I was able to see everything that was happening, and I, I had it all written down. So when the dust had settled, I could read it again and I could understand where I was. Mm -hmm. um, so I decided that this was no good in 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 a book. 
Um, it wasn't helping anybody else. I, was, I wasn't going to do my shelter again. So the best thing to do <laughs> would be to, to find a format where it could benefit everybody. Um, I started pastorselta.com um, mm-hmm. just to try and help people out with um, what is the interview? What kind of questions are you going to be asked? Um, help for non-native speakers as well. Um, and if your English isn't up to the level where it needs to be, then what do you need to do to get it there? Mm-hmm. Um, other things like um, um, the, we've even written articles about how much the CELTA costs around the world. So recently I, I researched 70 CELTA centers uh, in every continent um, and we found the lowest, the highest, and the average uh, CELTA cost. Uh, so all that's there as well. And, and, and really, it's, it's a bit of a labor of love. Um, made, a, made a newsletter as well where people can sign up and they receive uh, weekly emails. And this is everything about how to push your grade higher or um, the, the common reasons why people fail their CELTA course and how you can avoid it. Um, and it, it's, it's been wildly successful, to be honest. Um, we've had tens of thousands of people on, on the newsletter or um, buying the various uh, support and preparation guides that I've created to help them as well. Um, and it, it's, uh, it's, it's probably one of the best things I've done. I, it, it, really is, it really is a passion of mine now. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't expecting it to be when I finished my CELTA course. It was just something I wanted to document what happened so other people could learn from it. Mm-hmm. So that, that's the long story. <laughs> that's fantastic. And from speaking with you and from looking at pastacelta.com, um, there's so much helpful information on there. Like it, it's really refreshing to see somebody out there who knows what they're talking about. <clears throat> Um, because you can find, I think, bits and pieces on the CELTA course. A lot of it is like, should you even get a CELTA? Is it even worth it? And there's not a whole lot beyond that. Um, so I think it's great that you're able to offer all of these things and everything from actual information on, on the course, on grammar, on lesson planning, to more logistical things like the, the cost comparison you mentioned. Yeah. Um, super, super useful. Uh, I think you touch on a good point there um, in that should you even get a CELTA? Mm-hmm. And I just, I just want to, I just want to look at this a little bit now yeah. because I, I think it's a fundamental question mm-hmm. that most, that a lot of people don't ask. Um, one of my roles with Pastor CELTA, beyond just helping people to prepare, is a step before that, is is educating people as to what the options are available to them, mm-hmm. a- and what that means, because it's possible to get any number of TEFL certificates. Um, Mm -hmm. There are many organizations out there who have their own brand of certificate with quotes in the air here that will help you to get a teaching job or so they claim. Um, But it's very important that people understand what they are and how, how widely recognized, if they're recognized at all, by the people who matter, which are the language schools out there, and, and, and the people with the job vacancies. Part of what I do is to help people understand that, that, that this Cambridge CELTA certificate or the Trinity Cert TESOL, it, it's not a focus of mine, but I, 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 I agree that it's equivalent, that these are presently the only two universally accepted certificates across the world 
that demonstrate that you've put in 120 hours of training and real teaching practice. Whereas you could get a, a I mean, I, I suppose you could do a quick, a quick six hour online course and get a certificate through the post, but you're gonna have a real shock when you try and get a teaching job somewhere. Mm-hmm. And if, that, if you it, do get a teaching job, you're gonna have a real shock when you try to teach your first lesson. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes, you are. Yeah, you're going to have a nervous breakdown. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's part of what I try to help as well. Um, there is a third option, especially over in the States, in that you, you might want to get yourself um, a, a, a TESOL degree, which mm-hmm. might work over there. Um, but for the majority of the rest of the world, it's CELTA, or, or equivalent. That's that's the phrase you hear, CELTA or equivalent. And when they say equivalent, they mean 120 hours training and real teaching practice. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And just to touch on what you mentioned, so when you say in the States you might want to get a TESOL certificate, we're talking about like a bachelor's degree. Yes. Yeah, like so you would major in TESOL and teaching English to speakers of other languages in your like for your university degree. Um, And I I can't speak to that a lot, but I can speak to it a little bit in that we often have candidates come into the CELTA course who have either a bachelor's degree in TESOL or very often, shockingly, a master's in TESOL. And um, they say the CELTA is more useful. It's still academic, isn't it? The master's and the bachelor's is still... Yep. It's a lot um, about the theory and a lot of the... um, Even if it does have a teaching practice component, which most of them do... It's you just you do your teaching. Okay, you know, we've set you up with a classroom teach and then reflect on how that went. But nobody actually very often observes you and gives you really uh, specific feedback. That's so great to hear. Mm -hmm. So if you want the piece of paper, um, then sure, definitely. I'm not saying it's not valuable. And you will learn a lot about the background, about language learning theory, which if you're interested in that, that's great. Um, you will get that in an MA TESOL mm-hmm. or a, a bachelor's in TESOL, but you're not going to get quite the same practical experience that you would on something like CELTA or the Trinity TESOL. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, okay, where were we going from there? So we were talking I kind about of jumped around. <laughs> That's okay. It's great. Um, okay, yeah. So I know it sounds like we've really drunk the Kool-Aid here, <laughs> but um, it's true. I think a benefit of, of CELTA is just that, I think you mentioned this at the very beginning of, of our discussion, um, David, is just that it really does apply, I think, to other aspects of life as well. We kind of have people, I think I mentioned this in the last episode too, I'd say every course I train on, at least a few candidates kind of have this maybe in the middle of the first week of CELTA have this little epiphany or they're almost upset. Like, why haven't I been learning like this my whole life? Um, so that's a really cool benefit. Yeah, just absolutely. knowing what that feels like and what that looks like. It, it's very humbling, but yeah. it's humbling in a good way. It, um, mm-hmm. it really reminds you how little you know. Exactly. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. I was, I was going to say, just before we move on, um, yeah. one of the questions that you sent me over before was, I, I think not many people ask this question, and I wanted to touch on it because I, I just sure. think it's such a great, I, I think it's such a great value to, to, that, that speaks to why people get the, the uh, teaching certificate in the first place. 
you asked me here, what advice would you give to somebody who was thinking about teaching abroad? Yeah. So this was in terms of certification, training, what to expect, things like that. Um, before this call, I wrote down a few notes um, because at the end of the day, that's why that's why we're doing this. I mean, people have yeah. different reasons. They want to travel, uh, they want to see the world, they want to give something back, um, et cetera, et cetera. But people don't get a certificate for the sake of getting a certificate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I've got a few tips here from, from my time teaching and, and I've picked it up from a lot of the graduates who I've spoken to as well. Great. Um, a lot of people want to teach abroad. The, the CELTA certificate is their ticket to get out there and it, it, it's, a really good, it's a really good qualification because you can go to, you can go to Bulgaria, France, you can go to uh, Kenya, you can go to um, New Zealand. It doesn't matter. This certificate is recognized around the world. And the great thing about the teaching, um, the teaching schools is a lot of them are large organizations and they have multiple schools around. Things like, things like uh, International House or British School. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it really is a passport to travel. It, it, it's not perfect, um, but it, it, it will get you started in those countries. But what I would say is this. If you're, go, if you're going to go and teach in a country you've never been to before, then I, I, I do want to make sure that you understand to look after yourself because like, like any industry, there are some organizations that will take advantage of new people starting out, mm-hmm. both regarding salaries and expectations on your time, um, perhaps uh, contracts that are not in your favor. And it's going to be up to you to decide where you draw that line. Um, there are a lot of schools and organizations out there that are very, have a very good reputation. Um, again, International House is a great example. Um, there's a lot of support from, from the main organization there for the teachers. So mm-hmm. if you're going to go and think this CELTA is, is, is going to get me a job in, in Cambodia, that's perfect. Just make sure that you go in there with um, a clear head and that you're looking out for yourself. Uh, another point I want to mention is it doesn't finish with CELTA. It's not enough to get the CELTA and start teaching and that's it. You're done for life as a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, keep learning. Um, your continued professional development or CPD. Um, then decide after you've done a year or two teaching general English. Decide where you want to go and start to carve that path out for yourself. You might want to teach corporate. So at that point you'll be going into companies. There's good money there, but very often you need a lot of support behind you. You might want to teach young learners, in which case you might benefit from having some young learner extension certificates, something mm-hmm. that can help you because let me tell you, I've taught teenagers and I, I'm never doing it again. <laughs> um, but some people, they love to teach youngsters and teenagers, but it's a completely different skill set. It's based on the same principles, but it's, you can't go from your CELTA or, or your Trinity Cert TESOL and think, I, I'm now able to teach eight-year-olds to learn English. Right. Um, and maybe you want to continue up the, the main CELTA ladder, which is you could do your CELTA, you do a couple of years, then you consider doing your DELTA, which is the diploma, the next one up. Um, mm-hmm. And then maybe you want to look at becoming an assistant director of studies, maybe a director of studies, maybe open your own school. That's a more linear path. 
Um, but no one's going to make these decisions for you. You're going to, at some point, you're going to have to say, this is what I want to do. And then be a little bit more intelligent about how you go about your career. Because if you don't, it's possible to stay teaching cell to level for many, many years and then wonder where the time has gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another quote um, that I've heard before that I'm also going to paraphrase, but um, something like there are two kinds of teachers, um, one teacher with 20 years of experience and one teacher with one year of experience repeated 20 times. Yeah. Right. So that's kind of the idea of I love that idea of not thinking that your development is over, that you're, you're just good to go as a teacher as soon as CELTA is done. You can keep on improving and being really intentional about what you want to do in this field. And there are endless, endless um, paths that you can choose. I mean, I taught, I taught NATO soldiers on, this, on, on, on STANAG. STANAG is, um, is a standard by which all European um, soldiers have to learn up to the level of English. I didn't even know that was a thing until mm-hmm. I met a soldier and he said, you know, can you help me? Other people, they give private lessons over Skype or mm-hmm. they do private lessons in their home or they go to the local library and they do lessons there. So I, I recommend you do a, a year or two in a language school first and then take a step back and say, OK, where do I want this to take me? Right. And kind of figure out what you like in particular, um, you know, what part of teaching or what specific um, branch of teaching is the most interesting for you absolutely you focus on that <clears throat> yeah try yeah. things and if it doesn't work that's that's absolutely fine I, I tried teaching teenagers and you know they walked all over me <laughs> so <laughs> yeah it doesn't mean you have to be good at every kind no, of teaching exactly. and that you're going to want to work with every kind of student um, so kind of find you can sort of carve out your niche depending on yeah. what what you like and what your strengths are yeah that was my absolutely. final thoughts anyway that's great um, okay, so just to circle back a little bit, we talked about PassTheSelta.com. Um, is there anything, so can you tell us a little bit more specifically what, what you offer? We've talked about all the different resources and you <coughs> mentioned some, some paid programs, some paid resources. Yeah, absolutely. So as I was, I, 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 I was delivering this advice, these recommendations, preparation advice, kind of piecemeal, uh, many people would have the same questions. And so over time, as they were, as they were asking these questions, um, I was keeping track of what questions they were asking and I was counting. I was putting a tally mark at the side of those. And it very quickly became clear that most people have the same questions. Mm-hmm. And I'm only one man and I just, there's physically not enough hours in the day to help everybody, especially when I could create the best possible answers to these questions and they'd be available to anybody. So I created something called the CELTA Learning Library. And the CELTA Learning Library is about 80, um, that's eight zero um, help topics on every aspect of the CELTA, um, broken down into modules. So it starts off with the mindset and the expectations. And this is everything, this is things like, what, what can you expect on your first day and your first week? Um, it's everything from, um, how can you prepare before your CELTA? So how can you prepare with your academic writing? How can you prepare with your grammar? And something that a lot of people overlook, how can you prepare with, with your health and your social life? Um, mm-hmm. I saw a lot of people struggle because they, they started their CELTA at a bad time in their life. And they, 
they, and other people struggled because they thought they could maintain a, an active social life at the same time as a CELTA. Um, and then there's other, there's other modules. There's how to prepare for your written assignments. Um, I give you an overview of, of typical written assignment briefs because it is different for each CELTA centre, mm -hmm. which is another thing that most people don't understand. So it's of no use for me, it's of no use for you, sorry, if I, if I tell you what people are, what my briefs were, because at worst it's going to, it's going to confuse and misdirect you. I go into the uh, lesson planning, teaching and self-evaluation, of course. And then there's a whole section in there as well on grammar. Um, when people are just about to start their CELTA, or even when people are just about to start teaching, um, grammar is a big, scary word, especially for native speakers, mm -hmm. because we're just we're not we're not aware of our grammar in the same way that that second language speakers are. Um, and what level of grammar is needed for the CELTA course? Well, no, that information just isn't available out there anywhere. Mm -mm. Um, so I, I've put together exactly what you need. Here is uh, there's parts of speech, there's uh, there's advanced grammar, etc. There's recommendations on picking up a good grammar book, a good teaching methodology book, and a good learner's dictionary as well. I think all three are very very useful. Um, so all of that's combined into something called the CELTA Learning Library. Now I'm 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 very reluctant to call it a course because I don't want people thinking they have to buy a course before they do another course. Mm -hmm. as, especially as a CELTA course is, is, is expensive and you know, there's no getting over that fact. Um, so the way that I've structured the CELTA Learning Library is, once you buy it, you can access all at the same time and you decide what elements are important to you and you can go in and revise them, either before your course or if you're feeling like you're kind of going underwater a bit during your course and things are overwhelming. Let's say your CELTA tutor says to you, um, you're really, you really need to improve your self-evaluation here. It's going to affect your marks. And they say, well, how do I do that? Well, at that point, you can come back to the CELTA Learning Library, jump into the self-evaluation module, and there's a whole load of resources there to help you turn your CELTA course around and ultimately pass. Uh, there's one more thing that I want to mention, is that I've uploaded one of my uh, one of my lesson plans, which was graded at above standard. So if you want to know what a pass A graduate's highest marked lesson plan is, <laughs> it's all there. You can download it. Um, it has the the handouts as well that I gave out to the class, and it has my tutor evaluation, so you can see how the tutor considered. Um, the lesson plan and the teaching practice and, and how it all fits together and that has been really valuable for a lot of trainees as well. That's fantastic. That sounds like basically everything you need in terms of CELTA resources. I hope so. Great. I hope so. Um, all that's available on pastorcelta.com. Um, mm -hmm. There's many buttons there that you can find your way to, to actually where you need to buy it. But hey, if you, if you don't have a little bit of extra money and I understand not everybody does. On the, on the website, ev everything that's on the website is free, aside from that. So go in there and get as much value as you can. The newsletter's free as well. So you can sign up for that, and there are many, many um, help guides that are sent out on email. So even before you consider paying more money to kind of 
reduce the chances of losing the money that you're going to pay for the Celta, please go and get as much free value as possible first because you might find that that's everything you need. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. Great. Um, okay, so just as we're kind of winding down here, um, is there anything you would say in a more general <coughs> sense um, that you really love, particularly about working in this TEFL industry? Oh, um, <laughs> I like the fact this is this is going to be sound a bit strange, but I like the fact it keeps me humble. Um, okay. I like the fact every single time I'm teaching a lesson, without fail, something doesn't go according to plan, mm-hmm. and I I learn something about myself, and I know that the next time I do a lesson, I'm a little bit stronger or a mm-hmm. little a little bit wiser. Um, or a, a little bit more in touch with the needs of the learners. And that, that's, it's really difficult to get anywhere else in any, any other industry. And what I also like is the fact that, for me, I'm just teaching English, but for the learners who are sat there, they're learning English for a very specific reason, and it's very personal for each of them. One of them might be learning English because they want to apply to study in the UK or in South Africa or in America, etc. That mm-hmm. is a life changer for them. One of them might be learning English because um, because their their girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever is English, and that is a life changer for them. And some of them want to improve their lot in life, earn more money, and be a provider for their for their family through being. through the opportunities that speaking English allows them because there are some jobs out there that regardless of where they are in the world that require English as a second language and that is absolutely a game changer for them. Mm -hmm. So every time I'm teaching these people I'm I'm very humbled by the fact these guys are are um, they're doing something so incredibly brave and they're taking action and I'm, I'm a part of that. I'm the very first step in that. And wherever they go with their life, I can, I can hold my head up knowing that I was able to help them a little bit. Of course, it takes a lot of self-study and that's not where their English finishes. But that's, that's a very satisfying feeling for any English teacher, in my opinion. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's why so many of us do it or all of us do it. Gosh. Um, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, um, I know this has been a long, a long podcast, but it's been really enjoyable for me. Um, and I, I've put together a free resource for anybody who's listening. Um, if you are concerned about grammar, um, potentially, um, I should say probably, most people are concerned about in, initially their knowledge of the 12 tenses. I say 12 tenses, the mixes of of aspects, etc. Right. Um, so I have put together a free, um, a free cheat sheet to help you quickly identify which tense um, a, a particular sentence is. Uh, it's really useful. Um, it'll help you identify any of the twelve grammatical tenses in English. It's free. Um, it has a full color version, a black and white printer-friendly version as well, so you can print it out and put it in your folder. Especially if you're doing CELTA, you can keep it in there as well. It has instructions and it also has um, a sheet of sentences so that you can practice and apply 
apply these really simple rules so that you can feel confident identifying those tenses. Um, if that's something that you think would be helpful for you, then you can head on over to pastheselta.com forward slash TEFL Horizons, all as one word. Um, and it's there for you to download and I hope it helps you in some way. Perfect. And I will also put the direct link um, to that in the show notes. So if you want, you can just, as you're listening, scroll down and find the direct link so you can go right there. Um, and I love that you're offering this because I think it it's a perfect complement to the grammar course that we have um, that's open right now for enrollment called Be Your Own Grammar Guru. So this, I love that you've created this because I think one of the most challenging things for native speakers just starting out with grammar is even knowing how to identify what they're looking at, right? Like um, everybody says, oh, you know, use a grammar book, just look it up. Well, how can you look it up if you don't know what it is? <laughs> so being able to have a, a guide to look at a sentence and be able to identify what the tense is or the aspect is in that sentence is perfect. And then from there, if you're interested in getting really more in-depth understanding and confidence in terms of how to teach it, how to analyze it, meaning form, pronunciation, concept checking questions, all of that. Um, it's a perfect transition into the online grammar course that we have. Yes, go and get it so, all. I agree. Go and get it yes. all. Yes. <laughs> Before your CELTA, you will thank us. Um, okay. Well, David, this was wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today, with me, with our listeners, and for all the wisdom that you've shared about the CELTA experience. It was really valuable. Thanks for inviting me. It's been a pleasure. All right. Well, our listeners can connect with you on PassTheCelta.com, and that will be linked in the show notes below. Um, so thank you again. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks for listening. Your support means so much to us. Feel free to leave a comment below if you enjoyed this and let us know what you want to hear about in upcoming episodes. If you know other teachers and travelers, we'd love for you to share this podcast with them too. And tune in this coming Tuesday for our next episode. Until then, you can find us at teflhorizons.com. Let's keep making this big world smaller by expanding horizons.